0: one small step for brands, one giant leap for brand
1: kind. You're listening to Food Chain, presented by Perfy. A big thank you to this episode's sponsor, Triple Whale. Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform clarifies your ad performance across channels, keeping you instantly in the know. Hit the link in the show notes and use promo code PERFY for 15% off today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Food Chain. Today, we have a very special guest, Hector Saldivar from Tia Lupita Foods. Hector, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Vaza.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Excited to talk. Absolutely. Hector, um, I start every episode with the founder's story and how you got to where you are today. Can you tell us more about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm an immigrant. I'm originally from Monterrey, Mexico. And I moved here almost 18 years ago, drove my 1999 uh, Nissan Altima all the way to Sacramento, California. I came to work uh, with a Mexican startup that commercialized and distributed powdered soft drink. Like I was Frescas. I was Frescas, but like in a Kool-Aid or in a Tang form. And uh, that's what brought me here uh, back in 2005. I've been, you know, working in uh CPG and food and beverage space ever since. I've been fortunate to work uh myself up the ranks. I, I started as a as a field rep, literally, you know, driving up and down the streets, you know, carrying samples and and racks and POS materials and all that, lit- literally like a door-to-door uh salesman and knocking, knocking on, on doors and, and presenting and sampling uh products. And you know, from there of I've moved on and I worked for companies like Nestle and, and Diamond Foods as well and progressed into, you know, sales planning and account management and marketing and all that fun stuff. So I've kind of dipped my toes in, in uh, several and uh, different responsibilities here in, in in my professional career.
1: That's amazing. Man. I, I really love when people work their way up the ranks to where they are today. I read an article on LinkedIn the other day where, people are less inclined to do some of that that trench work. And when I graduated from college, it was in 2007 and the market for jobs was awful. I took some odd jobs. I took a sales job in internet security. I worked for a really shady chiropractor. Finally, I was like, F this. I am going to go into the service industry. It was all that was available. And I went into TGI Fridays in like, I think it was the fall of 2007. And I was like, I've got no other options. Start me as a host, put me as a dishwasher, yeah. whatever you got to do, I'll take anything. The GM at that time was like, Well, I like that attitude. Let's start you at server. So I skipped like two spots, then moved up to bartender, then moved on to a different place called Sharky's, where I served as a bartender manager. But the entire thing with me was I told at Sharkies I, I Googled, what's the best place to work? Like, what's the best bar to work at to make the most money on? Like for me at that time, it was all about the money. And mm-hmm. I went in there and I said, I will scrub toilets. I have no pride. Start me anywhere you want. And I work my way up. So I really respect what you do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It's critical, man, especially if you're going to be an entrepreneur. You need to start from the bottom and you're going to be involved in everything when you start your own business, right? And you just you need to have the knowledge of what are the. The pain points that the salespeople uh, have. What are the pain points that marketing and operations people have, and and what are the pain points of finances and and just you know general managing? And so obviously, you know that that's the optimal way to do it for sure.
1: Yeah, it's it's super important. It gives you a good outlook on different kind of mindsets for different parts of the business. And it's if you're going into entrepreneurship or being a founder, I think it's important to have those different experiences. Absolutely. So. Actually, how would you come up with the name? Yeah, Tia Lupita. Tia
0: Lupita is my mom. Her name is uh, Lupita or Guadalupe, and 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 uh, you know it's one of the most popular names in Mexico. So a lot of people ask me, well, shouldn't shouldn't it be you know Mama Lupita or Mom Lupita then? And uh, yeah, that would be the 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 case. But my point of view was I wanted to to introduce the name or 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 to have the branding from a place of nostalgia and authenticity. And so if you know the story, you know, my mom, you know, when I moved, when I left Mexico would ship me care packages of of hot sauces back here uh, to the Bay area where I, where I moved. And so I started sharing that with friends and colleagues and um, just to find out that they, they all started falling in love with my mom's hot sauce. So very similar to what happened back home. My mom my mom hot sauce was also very popular with my friends and and family back in Monterey, and so randomly they would like you know they would show up at my at my house door, ring the doorbell on a Tuesday, they would bring tacos or you know pollo loco or whatever, and it's like Tia Lupita, you know, do you have some of your hot sauce that we can use? We brought tacos, we brought food, and so Tia Lupita. It's a term of endearment. In Mexico, we don't call, you know, the parents, the parents of your friends, we don't call them by sir or ma'am or missus or mister. There are aunts and uncles. We call them tío, tía. And so, you know, now that was kind of my way of, of extending that now, you know. It's so now, now you're trying Tia Lupita products. Now you're part of your family. Now you have your own Tia Lupita. There is this joke I hear uh, that cracks me up especially here in the, it works it works here in the United States because it's a cultural melting pot of nationalities and And so the joke goes, how do you know someone is Mexican versus you know from Guatemala or Nicaragua, Peru, Bolivia, Argentina, whatever. Uh, you know, they're Mexican if they have a Tia Lupita. That's the joke. So I just love the connection.
1: I love it. My dad came from Mexico City and he immigrated here. Yeah, right when he met my mom. So doing the math, yeah, my oldest brother in 69. So in the 60s is when they met and he didn't speak a lick of Spanish. And during that time, he always told us when when he was still alive, he was like, he basically got shit on a lot for being an immigrant. And when I was coming up, I was born in 84 he made it a point to only teach us the bad words of Spanish. So I think my my brother, Mike, his first word was like the F word in in Spanish. And my dad got a kick out of my mom was pissed. And it was just one of those things where I I didn't come up learning Spanish. I picked up on all of the hilarious, you know, bad sayings and got in trouble at school for it. But I I did take four, four years of Spanish in high school and two years in college. And it was one of those things where I think I passed that, that language barrier of Not really being authentic, and that's that's part of why I I switched Perfy from Chingon to to Perfy because I had gotten feedback like that. Going back back to your brand and Tia Lupita, I want to know about how you came with with the idea. I love the illustration of your mom on the logo. What made you think of that?
0: A lot of people um, praise the logo, and it's so approachable and heartfelt and. No matter what, it puts a, a a smile in your face, and honestly, Vasa, it was a happy accident. I, my vision of Telupita is not what I originally thought it was going to be, and so let me build on that a little bit. We're talking about the name Telupita, but actually, originally, that was not the name of the brand that I thought or or was considering. My approach, you know, remember we we this was a hot sauce. So before pivoting or evolving if you will to a, you know, this, you know, platform brand, we were a hot sauce brand. And so I wanted, you know, something that stood out. I was kind of tired that all Mexican brands that I knew here in the United States were a little bit profiling, they were very polarizing, you know, quintessential Mexican bandido, you know, with a sombrero and his mustache probably sitting down next to a, you know, a cactus taking a siesta or some sort of piñata was involved, some sort of uh, the ladies with the hairdos and the, the dress and like the India, we call them like uh, Adelitas or India Maria type. And so I wanted something you know modern and, and urban. One of the names that I that I was uh coming that, that came to mind was Dos Franciscos, for example. Dos Franciscos, why Dos Franciscos? Because I had immigrated to San Francisco and my mom's family is from a you know tiny village in the east uh, Sierra Madres called San Francisco as well. And so it's like, oh, Dos Franciscos, you know, Francisco, San Francisco, Mexico, San Francisco. California. And I, actually, there's there was a story on the original label about that connection, which someone, you know, very famous told me, you know, you should change that. You just, I, I'll go into that. Well, I can say it now, but yeah. so by Laka Destiny, I had the opportunity to meet Daniel Lubetsky, who's the founder of Kind Snacks and, and now has uh, started his uh, own uh, Mexican food brand. But I met him in at his office in in New York, and I was carrying with me bottles because I, I I was I think I was walking fancy food show. I didn't have money to exhibit or anything, so he grabbed the bottle and, and said, "Yeah, I love the label," and then he started you know analyzing the whole thing. And in the and in, in the label, I had written the story like from San Francisco, Mexico to San Francisco, California. You know, comes this delicious hot sauce, blah blah, and he's like take that away man you will lose your shopper with that the confusing and all that stuff so i took his word and that made the label a lot simpler but now now back to the, the original question so as i was i was uh, working on this label and making it uh wanted to make it this this modern urban mexican brand i made a mood board actually i i googled The graphic designer, the first person that popped out, I reached out, Kimberly Shreddy in San Francisco. And I reached out to her and gave her my idea. And she's like, okay, send me your mood board. For anyone listening, a mood board is just a bunch of images, right? That of of what you feel, what you think when you close your eyes and of what this brand represents and, and what are the feelings that they should be connecting with, right? And so... Dude, I, I put images of urban art and graffiti and taco trucks and a lot of taco culture stuff and sky rises in Mexico City and, and and foodie and and stuff like that. And then towards like the bottom of the collage of images, I had put a picture of my mom, a picture of my mom, how you would find her in her in my house, you know, wearing an apron. And a a curler, because that's the curler or the roller keeps her bangs from, you know, getting in her eyes. And, you know, she gets really hot in the the kitchen. And so she she keeps, you know, blowing her her bangs away. And so, you know, lo and behold, I I was super proud with this collage of, of images representing Mexico. And Kimberly immediately gravitated toward the picture of my mom and said, This is the logo. This is the brand. Your mom right here. She drew it and it connected. It it made me feel good. It made me, it put a smile on my face. And it also helped me be differentiated in the set. So remember, as we started as a hot sauce brand, if you close your eyes and try to visualize that four foot set, that hot sauce set, it's very polarizing. It's very macho driven. It communicates a lot of uh, pain, a lot of uh, discomfort, because that's what, you know, I think what a lot of hot sauce brands want to do is is that it's, it's flames and it's skulls and bones. It's the picture of the devil, you know, a donkey farting flames, something like that. And nobody had at least taking a shot of, hey, what if we make this hot, a hot sauce label approachable? What if it, if it's not supposed to scare you away, but invite you in? And so I think that with that hand-drawn face of my mom, I was betting that I would be attracting a gentler shopper, a shopper that that uh, you know, maybe was being pushed away by, by other other labels, but you know, we could
1: capture that. I love it. One one thing I didn't tell you about before we started recording was you and I have something very, very similar in, in common. You have your mom's hand-drawn. Drawing on your your branding. I used to call my mom Perfy. I didn't know that until I was initially going to name Perfy uh, Chingon. It was going to be Aguas Frescas. And yeah. I had to pivot because, again, I was raised pretty gringo. My dad made it very intentional. Like he, he didn't want us to go through the stuff that he went through. And as somebody was telling me, like, you might want to reconsider, because I, I definitely didn't want to be the drink that had farting donkeys or anything like that. my mom had told me that same day I see her every Saturday and she said, "Vasa, do you know that when you were just two years old, I was putting on my makeup one day and you grabbed me by the pocket and said, mom, you're perfect. Oh, (laughs) you see, that's amazing, man. I love that. Once she said that the first thing I did when I got back home, was like 10 or 11 o'clock. I submitted the trademark through the trademark attorney and that was it. We went in a different direction. I didn't even want to risk. Dude, dude, you—if you could see me, I have goosebumps.
0: Dude, that's such an amazing story. That I mean, and of course, I mean when I read the name perfect, it's perfection, perfect. That's what comes to mind. It's, it's something that is, and the authenticity and the heart and the the warmth of that origin story, man, it has to be communicated. People need to know about this.
1: Yeah, I, I've got to do do better sharing that. And one cool thing—it's a kind of an Easter egg on the can the actual parent company is called Thorzo and people might think like force or strength, but my mom's name is Zora. My middle name is Zoran, the male version of Zora. And yeah. when I, when I named the parent company forzo, it's for Zora. And for oh. My mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it. I love yeah. it. It's important to have those sorts of things in, in any business. So if anyone's thinking about, if anyone's listening in thinking about starting their own you know, venture, I think it's important to have a very strong why every day you wake up you're working for your mom it's not even uh, work anymore absolutely. every day up, every day when i wake up it's the same exact thing it doesn't feel like work and it's just important to have that if it's kind of like a, a money-making endeavor of course everyone wants to make money at the end of the tunnel but if that's your why i think it's a tough outing for for anybody that does that yeah does no work.
0: absolutely it's the tribute right it's mm-hmm. the uh, it's it's You know, my dad recently passed away and recently is last week, literally. One of the last things he said via text message was, you know, so proud of what you're doing and ensuring that the Tia Lupita legacy lives on, right? And so I have never thought about that, that all the hard work that's behind this endeavor, it's ensuring that there's that my mom's legacy is living on, that my family legacy is living on, and so such an important thing. What you just said about honoring honoring your mom that way, you know, in, in Mexico we don't inherit cars or jewelry. Uh, money you know what gets passed down are our family recipes and that's you know some way to keep our our family legacy living on and so you doing perfy, it's 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 ensuring that your mom legacy continues living on the same way that i did tia lupita or rather i'm doing tia lupita
1: oh yeah man that um i've got the goosebumps now and I, i'm sorry for your loss i'm sorry to hear about that that live right now but uh um, one thing that i love is man i'm glad my mom's here to see it i'm glad that she feels the love and I'm glad that, you know, your pops saw what what's going on with Tia Lupita and your mom seeing it. And it's just one way to, it's almost like a superpower when you have that sort of force behind you honoring your loved ones. And I'm just stoked that, that you're on and we can share this together. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Let's um, transition over to what was your first big breakthrough with your company where you said, Dan, this is it. This is going to be something. I
0: guess it was... The first time, you know, when Whole Foods said yes to us, right? It's like, okay, we're in the big leagues now somehow, some way, shape, or forms, right? I need to be prepared for this. This is not side gig now. <laughs> it's real. And uh interestingly enough, it was Whole Foods... Southern Pacific and one of the two regions pretty much that gave me the the my first break so it was so packed in New York and then Northern California came along but it was because of they didn't want to you know be behind and and we are the local brand for Northern California so they kind mm-hmm. of came in but that was my big break I was and what made me realize okay this is this is real and now we are we need to do this the right way. Co-packing, you know, getting into a distributor because, you know. I started this out on a commercial kitchen. You know, I was making my mom's hot sauce myself. I my, I flew my mom to teach me how to do the hot sauce and, and I had to learn. And then I was doing them myself. I was buying all the ingredients. I was buying the bottles and going to a commercial kitchen and making this. And I was distributing the, the hot sauce myself. I was driving around the Bay Area, you know, independent specialty, natural accounts, presenting my product, you know, I guess it helped that I, that's how I started my career <laughs> as a field rep. And so once Whole Foods came in, it's like, okay, now you, ha- now you have to go to Unify. Now you have to fill out some paperwork. Now you have to plan some promotions and, and discounts. Now, you know, now you're, you're taking a, a bigger margin hit now, and we will that work and all that stuff. So it was that. And then, and then from there, man, it just continued spreading out and, but yeah, I have to definitely attribute it to to Whole Foods.
1: It's amazing. Are you as excited as I am? Seeing more inclusivity in grocery, like I love seeing the AMSams of the world and the sanzos and the tilupitas and the and the Cietes and all of these. Absolutely, brands. man!
0: It's a new world. It's uh, not uh, international uh, or an ethnic brands are growing twice as fast as non-ethnic or non-international. And so that's just a, a testament of, of the American palate evolving, right? You know, over the pandemic, you know, the you know, Mexican food overtook Italian food as the number one ethnic food being consumed in the United States. Now step take a step back and, and analyze that. There was nothing more American than pizza night. You know, it's that that's like the an, an American staple is pizza night, You know, with a movie, it was the convenient way for families, like everybody gets together, everybody takes a slice, boom. Now there's more people eating tacos than pizza and pasta in the United States. And not only, you know, for takeout or ordering at restaurants, they're cooking them. You know, what started... Not too long ago, if I may, I think you know, five years ago, Taco Tuesday started to catch on. So Taco Tuesday has evolved now to everyday Taco Tuesday. You know, what, what started as a as a celebration of inclusivity and diversity and, and and is now everyday Taco Tuesday. So it's super exciting, and you see it with, not only with with uh, Mexican uh, or Hispanic food, but other other foods as well, right? You you're seeing this. This trend now with Asian food and, you know, you see other African ingredients making their way over here, like, you know, phonio and and, and Asian food with the drinks and, and spices and chili oils and just overall. So it's amazing to see. It's, it's I'm, I'm having a blast seeing that. Yeah, it's very cool for me to see. And the one
1: thing that does hurt is I've been seeing this more pop up lately because of the guy from WeWork raising an ungodly amount of pre-revenue uh, money from what was it, A16Z. And I just don't think there's as much as we're trying to innovate and bring flavors to the world in a, a better for you type of way. I still think there's a disparity in the way that people are placing their dollars in terms of investment.
0: No doubt. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm going to speak for the for the Latino or the Hispanic cohort. We are the the largest ethnic cohort here in the United States and the more entrepreneurial, we're we're the most entrepreneurial group of people here in the United States, us Hispanic, us Latinos. And yet we're the the most underfunded. 70% of of Hispanic entrepreneurs have to dip into their savings to start a business and 72, 73% will fail. Only 1.8% get VC backed. It's crazy. And and only three percent of Hispanic entrepreneurs break the one million dollar revenue mark a year. And so, exactly what you're saying, there's there's significant underrepresentation under for funding uh, for us uh, international uh, diverse entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah, man. The one thing I always think about is the disparity between how popular, like part of I'm in I live in L.A., born and raised. One of the best things is after a a lakers or a clippers game or an lafc match is the street vendors and bacon wraps whatever it may be and they are so freaking awesome in terms of grinding and getting out there and selling whatever they have to sell there's like there's love and heart in what they create but have you ever seen how difficult it is but maybe not because you're in, in the bay area in la la county i couldn't even get through the legalese of trying to create a food cart, and it, it's so difficult. And then they make it even harder by having it making it very difficult to find it in Spanish. It's like 30 pages, all of this going to different buildings and getting approvals, and they make it so tough. Yet it's such a huge part of our culture. And during the pandemic, it really pissed me off. Excuse my language is that so many of them were getting tickets, they were just trying to make a living during uh, 2020 when all hell broke loose.
0: Uh, here in San Francisco, I remember you know, going to there is this nonprofit called la cocina they're based in, in in the mission and they teach you pretty much how to how to start a business and how to have a business plan but but in a smart way like a business plan and you know making sure that that you're realistic with your venture right that how much do you need to charge how much do you need to have in, in as profit to make a living and all that stuff so I mean, I, I leaned in heavily on on that so that I could, you know, learn and, and what are the process, what are the documents you need, licensing, all that stuff, you know, because I had worked, you know, 17, 18 years in, in a corporate environment, but I never started a business, right? And so at least I, I feel that I, I had that available, but, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in an environment like LA, so big, so dispersed, dude i can just imagine how hard it is
1: super super brutal it's one of those things on my radar firm like how do you make some sort of online database of how to get through all of these different tasks to be able to make badass food that everyone like i think i was listening to espn radio and uh one of the new guys on the the lakers um came from the spurs i always forget his name the espn radio announcer like what's the first thing you're going to eat they're like i don't know i'll probably go to in and out and and he was like no just walk outside of the building. Go go to one of the vendors, and, and- uh,
0: I was in in LA recently. Uh, it reminded me to go see. It was like an exhibition match at on SoFi Stadium, which is wow, that stadium on its own, it's incredible. But it was a there was a Mexican soccer team versus a uh, you know the LAFC. So and and it was an amazing match. It was uh, the ambience. Everybody was so happy, and just coming out of the stadium, seeing that, it was like a army of hot dog stands mm-hmm. of them oh, oh, even if you weren't hungry you just wanted to shove your face there i'm um, just like on the hot dogs and and like you said man these people they just want to work they're just super happy just working and, and offering a product that's gonna make you feel good too as well you know it's 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 an explosion for your taste buds
1: yeah unreal it's something that everyone's got to try after any game or anywhere they're they're found but transitioning over to, I, I like going into you know the, one of the biggest challenges that you've gone through. What was that for your business? Well, I've, I've experienced
0: several, right? You know, from you know getting a co-packer to raising money to surviving without money. <laughs> like it's a, it's a bootstrapping this for the for the first couple of years, and then raising money, and then because of growth, you know, uh, you know realizing that holy shit, I can't grow this fast if I don't have money in the bank. And and then the challenges of raising money and, and people either just not taking you seriously, either because of background or, the, or me not explaining properly the positioning of the product or the attributes, etc. I can take a while here, but, you know, <laughs> right now it's making sure that we are staying afloat that we are growing strategically and and that we're not breaking the bank. And we have to make some, you know, difficult decisions, uh, decisions that I hate taking, but, you know, it's, I mean, the perfect example right now is, you know, Costco, Costco Canada has approached us and said, you know, literally gave us a PO for, to bring our hot sauces. They want a 30 ounce bottle of our hot sauces and, we could do it, but we're we would we would be at risk of bankrupting us. You know, the juice, the juice is not worth the squeeze sometimes. And I love top line revenue. I love it. But you know, you have to be disciplined and and see the 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 ramifications and consequences. We're a small team. We're only we're only four, right? And we have so much stuff going on. We're you know, expanding, we're getting into nine regions of Kroger, we're getting into Albertsons nationally, we're getting in we're starting conversations with many other retailers, there's an opportunity to start, you know, considering going into food service. And so we can't say yes to everything right now. And I think, you know, it's, it's, at the end of the day, they're good problems to have. But at the end of the day, they they are problems. So, you know, hopefully, you know, the Canadian Costco buyer understands this issue we are having right now uh, and doesn't give up on us and and maybe consider us bringing us uh, next year. But, uh, yeah, man, it's one of those things that, ah, shit, don't know. We can't do this.
1: A couple of things you said there, I've been hearing, in all of the attributes of a successful business. You mentioned the word discipline and growth. You mentioned the word, I think it was thoughtful growth or that you might've said um, where strategic
0: I think, strategic growth. That. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: you can't say yes to everybody. and You got to go where your customer is, is at. And although there might be those customers in Canada being an international brand, you know, this early might, might not be the best. So I just wanted to say like from founder to founder, I think you're making some awesome decisions because literally on the last episode with Will from IQ bar, he said that same exact thing. You've got to be disciplined in where you put your product.
0: Yeah. And everybody knows that, you know, Costco is the freaking Shangri-La of, of, of a food company, right? They're, they're so clean. There's no hidden costs, no hidden fees. You know, you work, you, you can work your PL. Really transparently with them, and they pay in thirty days, and and it's 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 amazing. But yeah, like you said, you know, right now we don't have the bandwidth. Right now we don't have the funds. Especially you're going into Canada. You have a bilingual. You need to bilingual label, so you need to invest on that, and and it's a new bottle because we don't have a thirty-two ounce bottle, so we need to source that, and we need to redesign the label. It was too rushed. To the timing didn't work, and I mean again. I could have made a, 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 a the executive decision said, we're pushing this through, guys. I don't care. But the juice is not worth the squeeze. And uh, I got to believe that this decision is the best one. And that hopefully, you know, next year we can take the conversation again with them. And, hey, remember us? Remember when you said you liked us and you want us to bring that? Yeah. <laughs> How about now? now we can do this? And so
1: we'll see, man. We'll see. It's a good move either way. They've got to respect that uh, you to not able to. Maybe not been able to give them all the love they need to be successful. So props to you. Absolutely,
0: you know. And I just mentioned Costco Canada, but we're having difficult conversations everywhere, man. Like, and these are not necessarily, you know, uh, you know, these decisions comes out of learning from personal learning. Like last year, we got super excited because we got in during a pandemic year where there was not a lot of new distribution happening, not a lot of new items uh, being authorized. We got in into two huge account one account being a national account in the natural uh, specialty channel and then another one being a regional but a big account It's over with over 200 plus stores 230 stores up in the northeast and uh we we're super excited super grateful high-fiving great moment and then we got the slotting charges <laughs> mm-hmm. and they kid us at the same time that drained the bank account for us. Like, it was like, Holy shit. Like, how are we going to survive? Like the balancing the cash flow was, was stuff that wouldn't allow me. Uh, I, I lost sleep for a long time. I lost a lot of sleep because we owed our, our vendors and I was trying to explain. And, and, and again, there was, so from that now my approach this year is thank you so much for considering us, but, let me put this straight. We're a startup. We're we're young. Your slotting charges we can't afford, and so we we're trying to come up with creative ways to not to waive that because at the end of the day it's not fair for the retailer you know 100 to waive that because it's their the cost of putting the the item in the shelf and the reset and all that it's work you know but can we instead of paying you a free fill or slotting can we invest? In demos, can we invest in incremental promotions, TPRs and promos and influencing programs? Not saying that that we're not going to pay or we want to be 100% waive that, but can we change this into working dollars, dollars that will help our product uh, succeed and thrive in in your store? And so, so far that's been a positive approach. And so I recommend uh, you guys to bring it up to any retailer that that's trying to charge a free fill or a slotting is, Hey, is there any other creative ways where we can, you know, substitute this so that it, they become working dollars and not just, because slotting literally just goes nowhere.
1: Yeah. It's super smart approach. It's one of those watchouts I've got from so many people is look out for slotting. And sometimes it's not as transparent as you'd like it to be. But, yeah, I think the money goes a lot farther, at least for both the the retailer and the brand. It's just a win-win, you know, some sort of medium there to to support these up-and-coming brands. Absolutely. All right, Hector. Well, man, I had a blast chatting with you. I had so much fun. Thank you for your time. Before we sign off, though, where can everybody find you online?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, depending where you are, you know, we are in Whole Foods and Sprouts like I mentioned, we're getting into nine divisions of Kroger and rolling out to Albertsons in, in October. Obviously, go into our website. We have a store locator, telupitafoods.com, And we also have our own, you know, online store there. So, you know, if you are by any chance not near any any stores, you can order online as well there.
1: Amazing. I'll make sure to tag all of that in the show notes. Hector, it was a blast, man. Thank you.
0: Blast, likewise. And hopefully I can we can meet in person sometime and, and have a beer.
1: Absolutely. I'd love that. Cheers. All right. Take care.